Anchor Church. I hope everyone's doing well. Um, welcome back to our Advent and Anchor series. Um, we are continuing the second week, um, and I'll get into that in just a second, but I wanted to say a special thank you to everybody who came out and served at the, the holiday stroll yesterday. It was awesome. It was so cool. Uh, yeah, give it up. Give it up. It was so cool. Um, and and I was telling, um, I was telling the, the serve team earlier that it just makes me really excited for future events because, like, this group of people gets what that's about, right? It gets us about, like, showing the love of Jesus to people, right? So, like, I'm just, I'm just so excited. It was so much fun. Um, being a natural introvert, it was exhausting. Um, at the end of the night, I was spent, but it was, it was good. It was good. So um, thank you again for that. Um, we are, like I said, in our Advent at Anchor um, series, and Advent is just the celebration of the birth of Christ. And traditionally, uh, the Advent calendar is, um, it goes through four, um, I guess, kind of characteristics maybe, um, hope, peace, love, and joy. And today we're diving into peace. We're gonna, we lit the candle of peace today, and um, I'm going to talk about the peace of God. Um, but really quickly, I want to read kind of our, our core scripture centered around, uh, that our series is centered around today. That's Isaiah chapter 9, uh, starting in verse 1. It says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. So we're, we're talking about the candle of peace today. And, and uh, I'll get into it in a little bit. Uh, I'm going to answer a few questions about peace, you know. But um, before I dive into the scriptures, I wanted to share with you... Um, just kind of, I guess, a perspective. It's not really a story, just a little perspective of, like, my life, kind of how I grew up. I grew up a military kid, um, kind of. And I say kind of. My stepdad was in the military, and him and my mom, um, they dated for four years when I was six years old, and they got married when I was 10. And up to that point in my life, I didn't really understand what it meant to be a part of a military family. Uh, I found out about six months after they got married, it meant moving, you know, not not getting too too settled. Now you gotta now now think about think about this, okay? I I was born and raised up to that point in my life in the same town with all of my family, so all I ever knew was right there. I was really comfortable. I was really settled. Like I had a good grasp on the world, you know, right? Like I like I I was comfortable and settled, and then I. Like, my mom got married to this 
uh, this guy that was in the military, and about six months later, they're like, hey, we're getting orders to a brand new city in a brand new state, and we're, you're going to go to a brand new school, and you're going to meet all these brand new people, and your life as you know it is going to be over. <laughs> like, okay, that's really uncertain. That's really unsettling, right? Like, what do you do with that? And like, what can you do as an 11-year-old or 10-year-old, whatever? And like just kind of roll with the punches. So we moved to San Antonio, Texas, and uh, I started getting friends, and I started kind of finding the things that I was into, and I started settling down and like kind of making a life for myself there. And wouldn't you know it, just as I start to get settled, my, my stepdad sits us down, hey, we're getting orders. We're moving to a brand new city in a brand new state. We're going to meet all brand new people. Again, this unsettling feeling is there, uncertainty, just, just anxious, worrying, what's going to happen, you know, just the, the worrying about the unknown, not knowing. And so we moved to Nebraska and, um, again, had to start over at a brand new school, make all new friends, and it was just, it was so tough. Uh, and then... You know, four years later in Nebraska, um, I give my life to Jesus, and that changes everything, right? All the friends that I had before, they didn't want anything to do with that, and so I had to have brand new friends and learn a whole new life. I mean, more un, like unsettledness, right? So, like, this is just kind of a theme for me in my life is just being unsettled. <clears throat> and then <laughs> when I'm 28, we stepped into our first vocational ministry role as youth pastors in Tennessee, you guessed it, brand new city, brand new state, brand new people, didn't know anybody, more unsettled, more uncertainty, and, and it's just kind of been that way for me. Um, and and it's, been, it's been tough, but I've, you know, I've gotten used to it. But um, I was thinking about it today, like just how like that, well, that unsettling feeling and, and what, that, what that feeling is like, and it's just like, have you ever felt that way before? Unsettled uncertain, worried, anxious about whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you have. Everybody, I think everybody has. And maybe it's been like the same situation. Maybe you've moved a lot. And maybe uh, you just had a whole lot of new and just a lot of uncertainty that way. So you, you like know what I'm talking about. That's nerve-wracking, right? It can be. Or maybe, maybe you've experienced uncertainty, unsettledness of a different kind. Maybe you've experienced layoffs at work. Or maybe um, you've experienced the unsettledness, the uncertainty of like a divorce in a family or something like that. Like maybe, maybe that's the kind of uncertainty, unsettledness you've experienced. And it just, it's hard. It leaves you with worry and anxiety. And, and when things are consistently unsettled for long enough, it, it leads to this feeling of impending doom. It, it can, and that, that's real, like, right? Like, it just feels like, man, all this uncertainty is just leading towards something really bad happening. It, it can feel that way. It really can. What are we supposed to do with that? What are we supposed to do with that unsettledness, that uncertainty? What are we supposed to do with that anxiety, that worry? Because I don't believe God wants us to live that way. I don't believe God wants us to exist that way, right? Like, he, he wants us to live the best possible life. We talked about that in, in, our, in my home group on, on Monday. God wants us to live the best possible life here now. But what do we do with that worry? What do we do with that anxiety? I want to look at what the scriptures have to say about that today because I believe the scriptures have something really, really important to teach us about that today. Um, but before we dive into the word, pray with me this morning. Let's pray. 
God, thank you. Thank you, God, for um, your word. God, thank you that you give it to us to instruct us. You give it to us to reveal your heart to us. You give it to us, God, uh, to make us more like you. And I just pray, God, that, that your spirit would open our hearts to the truth of your word this morning, that we would, um, we would be drawn closer and closer to you. We love you, God. Speak to us in a way that we would clearly understand you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you have a Bible, you can open it up to Luke chapter 2. We're going to go to Luke chapter 2, start in verse 8. And whenever I preach, I say this almost every time I preach, um, I preach from a perspective of there and then. And what that means is if we're going to understand how the Bible applies here and now, I think we have to understand what it meant there and then and what was going on in the world of the Bible. Because um, I never want to take the words of Scripture and, and twist them to make them mean what I mean. Because a lot of people can tell you what the Bible says. Well, the Bible says this. The Bible says that. The Bible says a lot of things. What does it mean? And so that's what there and then is all about. It's like always, I, that's why I preach the way I do. I always want us to understand what Scripture means, not just know what it says. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Of all the people on earth that these angels could have delivered this message to, could have delivered the message to kings, could have delivered the message to the religious elite, could have delivered the message to government officials, could have delivered the message to rich aristocrats. Of all the people on earth that this angel could have delivered this message to, he chose shepherd. He chose shepherds. Now, shepherds, obviously, they, they herd sheep, right? Sheep are dirty, disgusting creatures, and people that that herded sheep, shepherds, were considered the lowest on the social totem pole in the, in the world of the Bible. Um, they were the lowest of the low in society, and the angels came to them and revealed the good news to them. The angels could have gone to anybody, but they chose the lowest of the low. Why? I believe it was to, to kind of make the statement, like, the birth of this baby boy changes everything. There's no longer any social status because of this kid. This baby changed everything. We're all equal in the eyes of God now. So I'm coming to you, the lowest of the low in society, to, to share this good news. It was like powerful, powerful stuff. The, the, this, the birth of this baby boy just changed social status forever. Crazy. Um, verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped, in snugly, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. So to this point in history, Israel had been waiting almost 600 years for Messiah. So I read Isaiah. I read Isaiah to start. That was about, that was I think 587, don't, don't quote me, 587 years before this. They've been waiting 600 years almost for a Savior. And, and it hasn't come. Think about that. Generation after generation after generation waiting their entire life. 
for this, this, this promised Savior, waiting their entire life, expecting, anticipating God to come save them, and then it never happens. Could you imagine how unsettled that, that feeling, or how unsettled you'd feel? Could you imagine how hopeless that would feel? Again, generation after generation after generation, not seeing the promise come true. Well, it's, these shepherds just got the news, like, he's here. He's here. The one we've been waiting for, the one you've been waiting for, he's, he's here. Like, wow. Like, crazy. Crazy. Again, cra- this is like big, big stuff. If, if you immerse yourself into the world of the Bible and like know what's going on, like, it's like mind-blowing stuff. So I'm like nerding out right now. Um, verse 13. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found uh, Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So again, these shepherds, they're just in a field, they're just doing their job, just kind of herding these sheep, keep making sure the sheep don't kill themselves, right? That's pretty much what, what the job is. Um, and it was a night like any other night, night like any other night, and then out of nowhere, this angel of God, this messenger from the Lord shows up and says, I bring you good news that's going to bring great joy to all of humankind. What a, what a moment. What, what a turning point in human history. And then in verse 14, the angel says, Glory to God, peace on earth to, to those with whom God is pleased. And to, to, to put it in my own words, uh, the angel is saying, Are you feeling anxious? You feeling unsettled? You feeling worried? Feeling uncertain? Good news. There's somebody here to save you. There's somebody here to, to put all that to rest. There's somebody here to, to take care of all of that. You can now relax. It's my own words. It's the Ryan Standard version. Um, peace. Peace on earth to all, whom, to all whom God is pleased with. Jesus even says this in his own words in another instance. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 27 says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He was born to bring us peace. He was born to give us peace. But what does that really mean? What does it mean to have peace? What does it mean to, to be at peace? All the, ways you, all the different ways you could say it. What does that mean? I think we have an idea of what it means. Um, we, we, we have an idea of, of, of what peace is, but like, I, I don't think we fully grasp 
the Bible's definition of peace or God's version of peace. Uh, today's, there's a couple of questions that I want to answer regarding this, this idea of peace. Um, the first question that I want to answer today is that specifically, what is peace? What is peace? How, how, I mean, there's a way to define it by the dictionary, but, but what is peace actually? Um, because the way the Bible talks about it is way more complex. It's way bigger than the way I think we understand it. When I think, I think when, when people hear the word peace, I think we automatically assume, oh, that's an absence of conflict. Peace just means that we're not having conflict. But the way the Bible talks about peace is it's so much bigger than that. Because a lack of conflict isn't always peaceful. In, in 70 AD, the Roman emperor Titus, he had peace, but he created peace by the sword. He, he made all these decrees and he slaughtered anybody who, didn't, who challenged them, creating peace, right? Creating no conflict. Conflict by violence or no conflict by violence, right? Like that's how he created peace. That's not the kind of peace that the Bible talks about. Peace is so much bigger than just the absence of, of conflict. I have a video right now that, that I want to show you um, that, in my opinion, it explains perfectly what biblical peace is. It explains perfectly the idea of peace that God wants us to have. Turn your attention to the video screen, please. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting. It also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. 
The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Wholeness, completeness, restoration. That's the biblical definition of peace, not just an absence of conflict, not just an absence of violence or war. It can mean that, but it's so much bigger. When the angel said in, in Luke 2.14, glory to, to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased, what the angel is not saying, abs the absence of conflict to all on earth whom God is pleased with, right? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, hey, the Messiah is here you're now complete. You can now be restored fully to your God forever. That's what he's saying. Wholeness is here. Israel had been waiting more than 600 years and now shalom is here, right? The, the arene, wholeness, completeness, restoration. That's what biblical peace is. And that's the peace that Jesus brings. That's the peace that Jesus gives. That's the peace that came with the good news of the birth of that baby boy. Completeness, wholeness, restoration. So that's the, that's the first question I wanted to tackle today. What is peace? It's, it's wholeness. Second question that I want to answer today is this. What's the difference between the peace of God and the peace of the world? What's the difference that the peace God offers and the peace the world offers? Some of the most prominent gifts of peace the world offers us is through the mouth of a bottle. It's through, um, it's through uh, the filter of a cigarette or it's through the needle of a syringe. It's, through, it's from a pill of a bottle. So, much, so the mo most prominent gifts of peace the world offers us is, is mind-numbing drugs. It's, it's something that, that covers over the actual the actual issue. Legal drugs are so important to people's peace of mind, they make up multi-billion dollar industries. And illegal drugs make up more than that. People spend so much money trying to get peace of mind through, through chemicals or through some kind of like altering their state of mind. And that's the kind of peace the world offers but you can't find peace in that. You can't find peace in that. Those are short-term fixes because when, when the alcohol is gone, when the nicotine is gone, when the drug start, stops covering the pain, the pain's still there. It's, it's, it's still, the unsettledness is still there. The worriness, the worries is still there. The anxiety is still there. We're still, we're still afraid. 
And so we need more drugs, we need more alcohol, we need more whatever to mask that pain, to cover that pain, to distract us from that pain. Another way the world offers peace is, is by using uh, what I'm calling today as the Pollyanna approach. If I just ignore it, it'll go away. If I, if I don't acknowledge it, it doesn't exist. That's, kind of, that's another approach the world offers, how, how the world offers peace. If I, if I don't acknowledge it, then it doesn't exist. If I, if I don't believe it, then, then it's not real, right? If I don't believe that I'm anxious, then I'm not anxious. If I don't believe that I'm unsettled, that I'm, that I'm worried, then I'm not. I'm good. There's even like a suggested uh, state of meditation where a person would focus on avoiding thoughts about uh, depressing things or, or spending their time thinking about good things. And what, what good things did they suggest we think about? I'll list some of them. I feel peace and tranquility filling my, my mind and body. These are like, some people do this, right? They, they try to convince themselves. I feel this happening. My mind is calm. Uh, like a lake on a quiet summer day, I feel calm and relaxed and peaceful. I am a center of peace and calmness and happiness. I hate to say this, but like those kind of exercises are pointless. They're pointless because people who promote things like this, they, they want you to fix your mind on empty words and meaningless phrases without without the love of Jesus, without knowing Jesus, without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Those phrases, those words don't mean anything. They can't do anything for you. That visualization, that's, it's a technique called visual, visualization. Just picture it happening and it'll, it'll happen. Just picture it happening and it'll come true. Without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, that exercise is pointless. It's useless. But this is a way that the world offers peace. Try to, try to convince yourself that you're at peace. Try to, try to make it happen through the will of your, your thoughts. And again, without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't work. A lot of the world's methods to bring peace are band-aids to cover up the actual issue that's going on, right? The, the actual things that are going on, they're, they're band-aids to cover up our incompleteness. The peace the world offers only tries to distract us from what the real problem is. What's the real problem? I'm not enough. I am insufficient. I am lacking fully. That's the real issue, and, and when I don't face it and I try to cover it up, like it's, it's going to remain, and when the, again, when the alcohol goes away or when the drugs go away or whatever, like that issue is still there staring me in the face. My incompleteness is the issue. The hope of God is different, though. The hope that was given to us when Jesus was born, the, the, the hope that that the good news brought, it's, it's different. The, the hope, the, the peace of Jesus, it, this, is, this is what it does. It shines a light on your incompleteness. It shines a light on my incompleteness. And it says, you are fully lacking, but I'm enough. You are fully incomplete right now. That's kind of a, that's kind of a, um, like, contradicting. But, like, you are incomplete right now, but I complete you. You're not whole right now, but I can make you whole. Like, that's what the peace of God does. It, it doesn't try to distract us from our incompleteness. It doesn't try to distract us from our lacking. It shines a light on it and says, with me, you can, like, you're, you're complete. With me, you're whole. 
Even though you're lacking, my grace is sufficient for you. That's true peace. That's the peace that comes from God. That's the peace that God offers us through the birth of his son. Worship team, you can come to the platform. So what is peace? It's wholeness. It's completeness. It's restoration. And Jesus was born to make us whole. He was born to make us complete. He was born to restore us back to the Father. And what's the difference between the peace of God and the peace of the world? The world offers temporary measures that distract us from the actual problem. But the peace of God comes when, when God says, I know you're not enough, but I'll be your strength. I know you're not enough, but I'll carry you. That's the difference. That's the difference. In order to have lasting peace, I have to face up to the cause of the conflict in my life. I have to face up to, to the cause of the issues in my life. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, we're told that Jesus came for a purpose. Here's what it says. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity, iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, the punishment that brought us completeness, the punishment that brought us wholeness, the punishment that brought us restoration was upon him. By his wounds we are healed. What's the root cause of the, the conflict in my life? What's the root cause of the incompleteness in my life? What's the root cause of the unwholeness in my life? It's my sin. My sin, my sin nature causes me to be incomplete. My sin nature causes me to be unwhole, and I, I can't save myself from that. I need somebody to save me. The cause of the conflict in my own life is my own sins, my own transgressions, my own iniquities, and I have to acknowledge that they're sins. When we don't acknowledge our, short, when we don't acknowledge, um, our sin, it allows us to stay in this unsettled state. It allows us, it keeps us in that un, uncertain state, that state of worry, that state of anxiety. And that's the reason there's no peace in people's lives. That's the reason people's hearts are troubled. That's the reason people try so hard to, to find their worth and their value in, in so many different places because they have this unsettled feeling. They, they can't find peace. As we go through the Christmas season, let's remember the peace that the, the birth of this one child gives us. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and he will be called Prince of Peace. Let me pray for you this morning. God, thank you. Thank you for peace, your peace. Thank you, God, for um, restoration. Thank you that you brought completeness to us. Thank you, God, that you made us whole. Thank you, God, that you are enough. You are enough. God, I pray today for anybody who might be struggling in this area of of feeling unsettled or feeling uncertain, I pray, God, that you would bring peace and help them, help them feel settled, help them feel 
certain that, that you are God and you are in control, God, bring that peace. Philippians 4 says that says that, that we should thank God for all he's done and tell him what we need and then we'll then we'll experience the, the the peace of the Holy Spirit that surpasses all understanding the the wholeness the completeness the restoration that surpasses all understanding that's what he wants for us today he wants us to experience that completeness that restoration he wants us to live in it he doesn't just want us to, to, to experience it. He wants us to live in that. He wants us to live in peace. God, thank you. Thank you that you offer us that. You offer us your peace. Thank you. I want to talk really quickly to those in the room uh, who maybe you don't know God or maybe maybe you did at one point but you walked away for whatever reason um, and may, maybe you didn't walk away physically right maybe you didn't stop coming to church but there's the, the heart posture you walked away from God because I've seen that before where people continue to come keep coming to church and 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 but their heart is far from him if that's you you walked away from God literally or figuratively like Today's the day where you can come back to him and you can grab hold of this peace, this completeness, this wholeness, this restoration. If that's you today, say, Pastor Ryan, I want, I want to receive Jesus or I want to give my life back to him. I want to pray with you. And at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so that I can know who I'm praying with. Now, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to single anybody out, nothing like that. I just want to know who I'm praying with. So if that's you, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if that's you, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. One, his peace is waiting for you. Two, he's inviting you into his family right now. Three, if that's you right now, raise your hand so I can pray with you. Raise it high. This is what I want to do right now. I want us all to pray together. I want to lead us all in a prayer. Whether you raised your hand or not, or, or uh, whether you're online or, or whatever, like I want to lead us all in a prayer. I'm going to ask everyone in the house to repeat the prayer after me so that nobody, nobody feels singled out or anything like that. Uh, but I want to lead us in a prayer to, to re, a, a prayer of repentance, to receive the peace of Jesus. So repeat after me, say, Father God, today I admit that I am incomplete. Today I admit that I am insufficient on my own. I need you to make me whole. I need you to save me from my sin. I submit myself to you today. Have your way in me. You are trustworthy. Help me to trust you. Thank you for your love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give it up for those who prayed that prayer today? That's awesome. 
If you prayed that prayer, welcome. Welcome to the family of God. If, you, if you're online and you're watching well, and you pray that prayer, welcome to the family of God. We want to put resources in your hands if you did. We want to get you started off on the right foot. Uh, Miss Teresa and her team have resources in the back um, at the welcome table if, if, um, if you need those. We, we want you to have them. So um, what I want to do right now is I would just want to take a moment to respond. I just want to take a moment to respond to the message, to respond to the Spirit of God, and just allow the Spirit to speak to us today. So what we're going to do, the worship team is going to lead us in a song, and you can sing if you'd like, you can sit and pray if you'd like, you can uh, just meditate, think if you'd like, like however you need to respond, I want to encourage you to do that, but but let's not rush out just yet. Let's... Um, Let's allow the Spirit to, to do what only He can do. So um, you can stand if you'd like. The worship team is going to lead us in this song. God, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for that peace. Thank you for that wholeness, that restoration. Thank you. give us a few next steps today something um, these these next steps are something to, to tangibly take the message and apply them apply them to your life today or this, this week uh, this week I will memorize Colossians 3:15 let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful this week I will pray and seek to experience the peace the birth of Christ brought to the world. And this week I'll bring a friend with me to church. These are just some, some easy, tangible next steps to, to take today's message and, and try to apply them to our life. So, um, he was born to bring us peace. He was born, he, he he wanted to leave us with peace. He said that in John 14. My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. He wants us to have that. He wants us to, to live in that. May the Lord of, of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Thank you, God. Thank you for all you do, God. Thank you for all you're doing in me. Thank you for all you're doing in, in our church, uh, through our church. God, we, we just praise you. We love you. We give you all the glory and honor. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for worshiping today. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.